Welcome to Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike. Thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. Now, I bet you're wondering, you're like, where the holy heck have these guys been? They promised us a flood of content. Um, the best answer I have is just that life kind of ran over after I got back from ReaperCon. I do have a bunch of interviews that are gonna, we're going to start pushing out, and I need to apologize to our guests and to our listeners for not getting them out sooner. Um, when I got back from work, it was just kind of crazy. Lots of stuff going on, and then... Uh, a bunch of family stuff going on. So it just, all of a sudden, it was a month later and away from ReaperCon. And we've even conducted a couple of interviews in, since we've been back. Uh, but, you know, my apologies. I'm not going to keep you long. I had a fantastic time at ReaperCon. Dan and I are going to get together here soon and post an episode about a kind of a debrief on what's been going on and a summer type review. Um, so that'll be a lot of fun to uh, to kind of hash out with him. And so, but I do, I will tell you this is that uh, today we have an interview uh, with Raggy Paints or Dev Sotogar from CK Studios. And awesome interview, great guy, uh, really someone in a very short period of time, I can definitely say has already become a friend um, and who, you know, he provided some awesome feedback to me on a couple of my pieces for ReaperCon and I learned a ton from him in just a little bit of time that I got to spend with him. So that interview was today. Um, that'll be coming out uh, coming out today and you'll hear it in a few minutes. Um, also, we have interviews with uh, Pirate Monkey, Anthony Rodriguez, uh, Stephen Garcia, and of course, the amazing Lila Mev. Uh, we have an episode with her. Then we also have an interview coming out with Bryce Kokonor, who is a fantastic artist. And actually, it was unique because Bryce was one of the judges for uh, one of the pieces I had in ReaperCon. So it was interesting to hear what he had to say about um, how judges approach their work, etc. But today, we get a fantastic conversation with Dev and um, I hope you enjoy more content will be coming out quicker uh, than in the past. And at some point when all that stuff is out, we'll be back to our regular production cycle of every two weeks. So without further ado, Deb Sotogar of CK Studios. Deb, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I am super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, I know we were trying to get an interview a while ago and things, you know, kind of all went to hell time-wise, but uh, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you weren't like, oh, I hate these guys. They, they're jerking me around. <laughs> you know what? I, I love having something hobby-related to listen to whilst I'm painting. So, it's awesome. you know, this, this hits that spot and you get some great insights from artists and you're right there so you can just sketch out an idea if it, if it takes your fancy. It's perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And you know what? Now, now you're on the spot to give somebody else that type of inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So, um, just a little bit of background for our uh, listeners. Uh, how did you get into the hobby? Uh, so, when I was a small kid, like five or six, I was super into army, like military stuff. Mm -hmm. And in the UK, it's all about humble paints and airfix kits. Um, and I was super into it with a couple of my friends. And then one of them introduced me to Warhammer. And I was all of like seven or eight at the time. And I fell for it hard. And we painted the worst models ever. My favorite memory of this time is deciding that bolt gun metal was a good proxy for hair stubble. I still have that figure somewhere. Um, Actually, you know what, though? I will give you this. It kind of does make sense because 
stubble does kind of have a little gleam to it sometimes in the light, you know. So I'm, I think you're giving me more credit than I just have, but I'll take it. Um, at the end of this, I'm going to show you one of my first pictures, of my first miniatures, and you, <laughs> it could have used some bolt gun metal stubble. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so from there, I, I kind of, you know, was mostly in occasionally out of the hobby. Um, but really not improving on the painting because I honestly didn't put the time or effort I needed to into it. And then I moved to California from the UK and wanted just something that I could do as a pastime de-stress and started painting again. Um, not long after that I met Kat and Caleb mm -hmm. and I suddenly started getting very serious about painting and that was five, six years ago now. Oh wow. Um, and, and at that point, I actually started to really improve. I very much had the mentality of, I paint for at least an hour a day, almost every day. Um, and when, and you know, that's not a lot of time out of your day, really. Getting up an hour earlier is not as much of a hardship as you might think. Um, and the gains you get are incredible. Well, let me, do, now, does this count for you too? Like, are there days where you don't paint and just work on, like, clean mold lines or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. So when I say paint, I mean, you know, assembly or model cleaning or something like that. Um, something hobby related that is not cleaning your desk. Uh, watching a YouTube videos are great. They do not count as progressing in your hobby. I don't care how good the artist you're watching is. It doesn't count unless you're practicing that as you're watching it. Um, but yeah, no, any anything specifically about getting the model from sprue to table nice and so what i'm hearing from you is active not passive yes right. that is the perfect way of phrasing okay it, yeah. awesome um so it sounds to me also like uh cat and caleb have to take a lot of blame lately because actually dan and i met in the cat and caleb class that's right then that's how we became friends and then started the podcast so yeah i was re-listening to that episode just the other day actually oh, with okay. cat and caleb yeah yeah um no, it honestly, I I mean I know Cat is very very on point about this. They they really are focused on on building the community and improving the community and helping people be better painters, um, and you know that's what really drew me to them. Right, like there are a lot of artists out there with a lot of talent that are very keen on showing how much talent they have, and I appreciate that, especially when they come from a traditional arts background, which I don't have. I really get value out of that, but the way that Cat and Caleb go about it, it is accessible and valuable for everybody, and that's that's really what I, I love and, and why I, I love those two. Right, and uh, I want to tell our listeners to keep posted because I know that they're starting to do classes again, and I do, I believe you're going to start doing. Besides just teaching at cons, you're going to start teaching classes too. I so hope so. Yeah, that's um, awesome, and we'll yeah. we'll let everybody know. We'll post. Uh, we'll advertise that you guys are doing the shows and st the classes because uh, uh, they are valuable. In you know, they learn so much from the CK class style for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'd say about it is con classes are great, right? But there's only so much you can teach in an hour and a half. And there are only some subjects you can really approach in that time frame. A day-long class is a million times better and, and gives you way more breadth of subject. And a two-day class like, you know, the CK Studios airbrushing classes or, you know, a lot of the other weekend classes that folks have started doing, it doesn't, you know, any artist, you're going to get so much more out of that than you ever could taking a bunch of, you know, individual classes at a con. 
And like a clown class is kind of like cliff notes, whereas the two-day workshops are kind of like immersive learning. Exactly. You know? Exactly. With an artist that's going to go around and going to give you individual direct feedback, which even, you know, video uh, tutorials and instructions can't manage in the same way. Right. Absolutely. Amen to that. Learning in person is amazing. So when you started and you decided to make the decision to up your painting skills, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, oh, man, so many. Um, <laughs> I think for me personally, one of the ones that doesn't get talked about enough is quantity of paint in the brush mm-hmm. uh, and consistency of the paint to an extent. But those are things, and these are, again, are super tactile things that you get much better handle on in class. Um, but I, you know, I used to slop on paint thick because I am the laziest painter in the world, right? To the extent that I was teaching a class earlier today, and instead of putting the wash on my palette and applying it to the model, I just applied the like the wash from the dropper bottle on the model directly. Nice. Um, I am super lazy. Okay, I, no, I'm going to stop you right there because that is my school of thought of that's fun. Yeah. Like that is a lot of, like it is a lot more fun to just pour wash on than sorry, like I, I'm going to sign up for your newsletter now because oh. that's my that's my style right there. Absolutely. <laughs> and if you want somebody who's actually good and of that style, Roman Lapat. The man, like he will paint with his fingers. It's incredible. Like yeah. That's where the first time I saw it was in Rome, one of Roman's classes, and I went, um, "Excuse me, sir, where's, where's your newsletter?" And then he was moving around with his hands, and he looked up. He goes, "If I could do this with my nose, I would. I might." And then <laughs> he's he, he's incredible. I, I am absolutely in awe of, of Roman. Um, can't remember where I was going with this. Uh, originally, we were talking about some of the challenges you faced, and uh, amount of paint on right. the brush was uh, um, so super lazy. I want I want one thick coat. Um, I really do. Uh, I may have fallen hard for contrast, largely on the back of that. Um, moving from one thick coat to actually thinner coats, and then moving from that, the, the really hard step for me was knowing what an overloaded brush looks like, what an underloaded brush looks like, what the right load on a brush looks like. Though that is something that is a personal journey of like tactile experience, painting a lot on your hand once you've got that that's going to help you a huge amount and it took me a while and i'm getting better and it it really does make a difference it's a struggle because you're not like it's not even just talking about how much to put on your brush if you're going to use a wash or recess wash or edge highlighting or glazing like there's so many different tiers of that so i totally get why that's a struggle i struggle with it every day I paint it's like wow you know and then you're like crap you got to glob of paint or then you're like oh man too much paint on the edge highlight now I've got a little dip on the model and, yeah. you know, like, and you know it's a different paint line it's a different paint within a same line it's a different age of bottle all of these things change the starting consistency of the paint and right. it's a, an endless learning experience to that's alright let's all just quit painting it's too hard <laughs> it's too damn hard it's a out. challenge enjoy it <laughs> have fun Okay, so now you've kind of you're taking that next step, right? Um, and so, Caleb and Kat approach you about teaching classes. Yeah. What, what, I was gonna say, what makes you? What made you decide to do those classes, and how has that impacted your painting? Yeah. So I actually started uh, helping out with the the social media community side for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I shortly after. I mean, I first met them at Gen Con 
a few years ago, but they did a weekend class, which is the the famous independent characters airbrushing class that they all talked about uh, was the class I happened to be in. Totally, I, I wasn't even a listener of the podcast at the time. Don't tell Justin. Um, I uh, wait. There's other podcasts out there. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? Well, I not anymore. Know. It's no, gone, right? Oh, is it gone? Oh, it's I didn't gone. know that. Yeah. No. Actually, I've only vaguely heard of independent. Uh, I listen to horror podcasts. No offense to any community podcasts out there, but. Um, it's kind of like when writers don't read their own genre yeah. because they don't want to. I, I just, I, I like scary stories. So that's where I. Strabblecast and things like that. Uh, the Pseudopod. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alistair was on the show. Uh, oh, the, ho- the host. Yeah. He was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I've, I was originally an Escape Pod listener way back. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I never quite got into the horror myself, but mm. Escape Pod and Podcastle yeah. for years were my jam. And eventually I. I realized there were fewer stories that interested me and I, mm-hmm. I drifted away, but I listened to that all through college and, and well into like my professional career. But, and, it, and it's funny talking to Alistair, who's all is British as well. Yeah. He knew what Warhammer was, you know, he knew the whole D and D miniature painting world and all that stuff. So it's interesting how small it is. And then, uh, have you heard of the Magnus archives? I've heard of them. I've never really listened, but yeah, they have a whole rusty quill, line of shows that's all about Dungeons and Dragons and painting. You know, they don't really do a lot about painting and stuff, but yeah. The 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 nerddom crosses a lot of boundaries these days. You know, Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, Karen and Caleb, I loved what they were doing. I wanted to, you know, help them succeed, help them grow. So I, you know, got involved and I moved back to the UK shortly after that class. So I kind of, you know, had the opportunity to kind of reach out to stores in the UK, give them a place to stay when they came over, uh, those kinds of things. And, and that's how I really, you know, got to know them and got to be a part of CK. Well, that's awesome. Now, how is the how is now teaching classes? What has that done for your painting? Yeah, so... Man, I... Teaching classes for me is is an opportunity to see things through the eyes of my students and, and remember the challenges that I faced and, and see the challenges I didn't face because sometimes you you will find something a lot easier than, than somebody else and, and changing your perspective on on what a process is and Ken and Caleb are incredible about this and, and you know rehearsing ahead of time and really getting their, their, their style together um, but for me it, it gives me I may I may be the instructor in a class, but I will have students ask questions that will suddenly give me an entirely different perspective on on whatever it is that we're covering, or an idea for something completely unrelated. And I, you know, you cannot overstate the value of that. Just for fresh perspectives, right? It's it's just a different take on you know coming to a convention, sitting with all of the artists, chatting about what you've been doing, and talking techniques and suddenly getting an inspiration it's it's all the same thing you're building a community you're building people that you know and seeing their ideas and perspectives and it, it all helps that's awesome yeah it's it's amazing to me to to hear all these teachers talk about how they how much they get from their students and um how it retrain their mind on how to think about how painting and stuff like that so that's awesome thank you so much for sharing that um so is this your first ReaperCon? It is, yeah. Yes. Um, I, I, I am a con goer, but 
it's a relatively new thing for me and uh, over the last few years Nova has made it very difficult for me to say no to going to Nova right um, and uh, all of my friends go to Nova and I, I, there's a great community there but unfortunately it's exactly the same weekend as Reaperthon and yeah. it, it makes it tough and mercifully in some ways this year Nova didn't happen and Reapercon did so I didn't have to make right. a choice Sophie's choice mm-hmm. um, it's 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 actually been fantastic it is a very very different style of convention um, I'm not a tournament player I'm a kind of casual gamer and enthusiastic painter and I think Reapercon really hits those buttons, you know. Nova is, is incredible for the efforts it goes to with charity and the tournaments that it runs because it's really nailed, you know, running tournaments. Um, and I have so many great friends there and great experiences. Um, but this is a different pace right. and I've also loved it, yeah. And it's also, it's different to look out in, one thing you don't get at the Nova is you look out into the main ballroom, everybody's set up painting. I know. It's crazy. I was looking out there. I, the, I was walking earlier today, and I, I was just looking across the, the hall there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you came from wherever in the country it is that you came from with this much gear and, like, <laughs> yeah. full-on light arcs and, like, paint stands with all of your paints. I'm like... I, I really hope you drove because there's no way you could fly with that much and stuff. Well, we had to move the interview because the guy who was sitting at the table with us decided he's going to airbrush. So I'm like, oh my God. With a full-on airbrushing booth. This isn't just like, you know, cracking out the, the airbrush gun. Airbrush booth, compressor, airbrush, the whole the whole nine yards. Yeah, no. Incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you done any of the hobby hijinks or anything? Have you had a chance? No. I love, I love speed painting. I'm, I am, as well as being a lazy painter, I want to bang stuff out, right? Mm-hmm. Like my, my the highlight of my painting career is managing 770 models last year. Oh Jesus! And I love speed paints. I love trying to crank something out in 30 minutes or an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something I've, I've done videos on. I, I tried to do a Necron 2000 point army in a day. Um, did not go well. <laughs> um, there was there was a lot of sleep deprivation and a very very grumpy dev for several days after that uh it's a more of a challenge than you'd think but i i really do want to go and do some of the hobby hijink stuff but i was fortunate enough to get a bunch of classes in um i also was prepping some stuff for the classes that i'm doing today um so it's not happened yet but i really want to and if i can get in on sophie says after dark i think, I think that i'm gonna to try to do that tonight after the awards ceremony. Right, we're gonna have to do it together yeah, okay. we'll get a seat yeah that'd be awesome yeah it was uh, tell me what classes are you teaching here so i am i'm teaching one class twice okay. um i didn't want to go too heavy in on, on my first con and miss out on the con experience itself right. um but the class i'm teaching is uh ethnic skin tones um which is something that's super important to me uh you know i'm mixed race as as the name kind of may give away um as a kid growing up you see flesh on a bottle it means caucasian flesh mm-hmm. Um, and you know I got over it and I, I worked with it and I figured out alternative solutions and paints companies have come a long long way uh, and have a lot further to go I think mm-hmm. um, but it's still a hurdle for people because if you watch 90% of painting tutorials online 
they're great and they teach you how to paint Caucasian flesh and that's fine but I, I want to help people think about their paint choices in a way that's going to encourage them to to branch out from that and actually get some some diversity on the table that's awesome yeah and I think that also um, we get so funneled into the space marine uh, you know what the the kind of you know the, the white characters and uh, there were so many amazing models. Like I know the one that I actually printed out from one of the artists who had Mark Masculins as a, uh, a bust of a black woman that I'm like, this, this looks like some, she's gonna start talking. I've never seen skin tones painted that way. And it's a, it's a, it's a challenge to, to kind of think outside of that standard box. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed, I'm gonna have to, I was trying to get your class, but the ReaperCon classes sold out so fast, you know. They really did. I, I was very glad that I managed to get a few, but yeah. I, I actually, originally I was only doing the one class. Mm -hmm. And by the time I'd logged on to check, to, to get my own tickets, um, my class had sold out. And, you know, I'm not a, a particularly well-known artist, and I guess the subject captured the imagination, so I reached out to Ron and said, listen, if, if you want... I'm happy to do it. Well, it's, a, it's an insane timely class because even if you look at the new uh, Stormcast Models Games Workshop release, they have different uh, different yeah. skin tones in them yeah. too. And they don't really have the paint ranged, I think, to paint them per se. But It started, yeah. yeah. I mean, Cadian Flesh came out a couple years ago. But, mm -hmm. I mean, my go-to for GW Paints for darker skin tones is still Rhinox Hide, and mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie, that name is not a good look for doing darker skin tones. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, you know, you could have you could have named that better. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's amazing to me, too, that, you know, when you look at a... You can add the greens and the, and the blues around the eyes and stuff in Caucasian flesh, but uh, darker skin flesh is so much more... There's so many more colors in play, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know... I never even would, one of the first classes I took on ethnic skin tone was they painted, they base coated the model purple. Yep. Yeah. I still do that. You still do that? Yep. Okay. In fact, it won't even be the base coat, the highlights as well often. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, muted purples are, are darker skin tones to a large effect. And, mm -hmm. you know, you control it with introductions of some, some warmer red tones. But yeah, you know, that's, that's part of how those darker skin tones read is, is more purple. Right. And you also can almost get to, I, sometimes it almost has like kind of a non-metallic metal kind of feel to it yeah. because the highlight is so stark yeah. and bright because the, the, just the way light reflects and such. So. It, it is incredible. Like, I, you know, some of the particularly like East African tribal tones, mm -hmm. they're so dark. It was once described to me by a friend as it's the skin is so dark it looks blue. It looks like a, right. a midnight blue. And it's it's just when you can capture that on a model it's just the best feeling because you're breaking everything that you'd previously learned about painting flesh and it's just like okay now i'm suddenly starting to not just learn to paint a diverse range of figures but really look at the colors in your reference photos and translate them without being limited by the name on the paint paintball which is so important right yeah that, absolutely yeah the name of the paint is always misleading you know uh, but I always reminded of that. I believe it was the Chris Rock joke about him having a friend that was so black that he would leave a handprint on charcoal. And you're absolutely right. That does that has a kind of like if you look at that skin tone, it does have a kind of a blue to it, which is, you know, I think I think now as a painter, I look at things so differently 
than I did before. Like it's almost like kind of a veil has been lifted. Oh, like, absolutely. You know, and yeah. so you look at the way colors interplay. Yeah. And my wife and I battle all the time. That's blue. I'm like, that is not blue. That is, you know, like, and we fight over what the colors are and stuff, you know. And then she tells me whatever I painted was too dark and she doesn't like it. And then I go cry in the corner. Um, you know, typical relationship type absolutely, stuff. Yeah. Um, so now that you've had your first ReaperCon, um, What's kind of next in the schedule for Dev? What are you, what are you up to after this? Uh, right after this, I am racing back. I, I own Nova Open, um, some uh, Stormcast Eternal. Definitely didn't call them the other name. Um, they're not Sigmarines. They are Stormcast Eternal. Uh, <laughs> uh, I owe them some for their full charity auction um, that I am woefully behind on. And uh, I have been reminded about a few times. Um, I also have one commission on at the moment um uh an addition to a sisters of battle army that i've already done about three thousand points for the guy and he wants uh, a few of the newer models for it mm-hmm. uh, and that's really fun because he chose okay here's an example right the the primary color on that armor is oxford blue i promise you that is not blue it is purple and it's also not Oxford blue either. But Vallejo <laughs> Oxford blue is is a very nice purple um, that he uses for his army. But an instance of the paint pot lying to you for sure. Um, right. <laughs> so that's that's the immediate thing. In the longer term, I am really looking forward to getting back into cons. Um, I want to get back into teaching more generally. Just I I love sharing what I know and learning new things from from others. So very very much looking forward to that nice nice so i'm going to do something to you that we haven't done in a little bit it's called the lightning round okay, okay. and it's sorry this is this is we're all off the cup here you know but uh basically i'm going to ask you a few questions and i want to get uh, as fast a reaction as you possibly can okay? sure let's do so it so we'll start out with a softball when was the last time you drank your paint water it's been a couple years been a couple of years have you changed the what you put it in now okay so the reason it's because I put it in a weird-ass cup with a spring mounted above it mm-hmm. for holding my paintbrushes. And it's really hard to drink it when you get hit in the face by a spring. That is uh, that is great deterrence, yeah. for sure. Okay, So, non-metallic metals or true metallic metals? Non-metallic metals. Once again, I'm lazy. Mm-hmm. I am not going to paint with metallic flakes using separate brushes that get wrecked really quickly. Separate paint pot of water, separate palette. No, no, I'll just I'll just paint with the paints I already have. Nice. Right. Gods of the brushes come down and say, you may only paint the rest of your painting career with one paintbrush. Which paintbrush? Rosemary & Co. Series 33, size 4. Size 4? Yep. Nice. Have you tried the 8s or 22s? I've tried the 8s. I find they don't keep their tip as well, or it may have just been the, the experience I had, but mm-hmm. my current Rosemary & Co. Size 4, which is my primary brush for painting um i've used for three years on like 1500 models and it still keeps a tip mm-hmm. it's still perfectly crisp and clean oh that's awesome now see i have some raphaels that are four years old and i told that to eric swinson and he told me i didn't paint enough that's what my why my brushes are still good so <laughs> i think eric and i are gonna have some words <laughs> i mean you know brush brush care is is valuable um i only started that like after i taken my cast with cat and caleb a few years ago and it's made a world of difference brushes have gone from lasting a few months to 
years. And, mm -hmm. you know, I say paint an hour a day. In reality, I will normally paint four to five hours a day. Right. Right. And every single one of those 1500 models was touched by that brush for size four at one point or another. Wow. Okay, um, that's impressive. So if you take care of your brushes, if you don't overload them, if you clean them out routinely, use brush conditioner or the brush soap I use Gentastics. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, squeeze out a little bit of the moisture so the moisture's not sitting there. Store them with the tip down. You're going to be fine. And, mm -hmm. and they're going to last you a long time. And spending $9 on a brush instead of a buck on a bunch of brushes it suddenly becomes worth it. Right. Yeah, the last thing. And I, I have to... Eric is right. I don't paint enough. But that's besides the point. You know? <laughs> and so the last lightning round question. Uh, your choice. Model paints, acrylic inks, or heavy body acrylics? Yeah, that's, that's not a fair question. Yes. Yes. No, you got to pick one of them. <laughs> um, inks. Inks. Assuming I'm still allowed to Zenithal Prime inks. Of course. Yeah. Um, I love the translucency. Again, I'm a lazy painter. A single coat of ink over a Zenithal Prime can get you 90% of the way to a, a gorgeous model. And Caleb got me hooked on using the GW glazes through the airbrush. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that... I, mm -hmm. I literally, when I found out that GW was ending that line, I went to my local GW store and literally bought all of the, the, the glazes that mm -hmm. they had. And yeah. I got such a dirty look from uh, the manager uh, that I, I felt bad and left one pot of each behind. One pot of each behind. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I bought a couple of them. I can't lie. You know, between the glazes and Lamy and Medium, those are my main GW products that I use. But uh, um, so one of the things I love to ask, uh, I love to ask artists is, um, is there a model out there that hasn't been made yet that you would like to see made? Or if there's something out there that you want to paint? Like I always give the example of the Stephen King series, Dark Tower. I want to see the characters of that come to life in miniature form. Is there something that you'd like to see? Oh man, I can honestly say I'd never even thought of it. Um, I will say as a slight anecdote whilst I'm, I'm quickly thinking of an answer. Um, years ago, when they started coming out, I bought the full line of Discworld miniatures from uh, MicroArt Studios, which is a, a yeah. Polish manufacturer, knowing full well I wasn't good enough to paint them yet. Mm -hmm. And every so often in, in recent years, I've cracked one out and painted it. I think I've painted three or four now. Right. Um, and the rest of them still sit mint in blisters. And, it, you know, when I, I next get the hankering and feel like I'm at a level to do them justice, I, I will be doing those. Um, more recently, the Harry Potter paints have, uh, miniatures have kind of been the same for me. Right. Um, I would love to see really, really nice quality sculpts from Fifth Element. Oh, um, nice. I am, I'm, I'm a really big fan of the movie. I'm a really big fan of Luc Besson's style mm -hmm. and Jean-Paul Gaultier's costumery in that film. Yeah. And, you know, not just the, the costumes and the individuals, but the vehicles. Everything in that is so immersive to that world. Right. And I've seen a few knockoff Lilus and, and uh, Dallas, and, and that's fine. But I'd, I'd love to see the wider universe captured in that. And I don't know what end it would serve. I don't think there's a particularly good game you could make out of it. Maybe an RPG, licensed mm -hmm. RPG. But 
just to see those models. Oh, you don't need that anymore because we've got 3D printing, right? So you don't even need a game anymore. You know, that's the justification is to paint for paint's sake. Oh, uh, well, you know, and so I'm a weirdo. Yeah, go away for a minute. I think we're good. <laughs> I'm a weirdo in that regard, and it's one of the reasons I don't tend to paint busts and don't tend to paint larger figures is... I love painting, I love the process, I want the end result to serve a purpose. And that's contrary to everything that you learn in the art world, right? It is. It exists for its own sake. Yes, I appreciate that, I love looking at, at, at the work of others, but I only have so much shelf space in my house, <laughs> so it's got to do double duty. And so uh, the last question I love to ask our artists is, um, the motto of the podcast is better, braver, happier painters. And could you give us some uh, last parting advice as our listeners continue on their journeys? Every time you finish a model, turn it upside down and paint the date on the underside of the model. Just month slash year. All right. Two reasons. One, that is bonus freehand practice. But second and way more importantly that is going to give you the time frame of your journey through the hobby world and you know two years down the line five years down the line you're going to feel like you haven't improved any and you can just crack out one of those old models and see how far you've come in six months in a year whatever it is that that's what i would i i advocated at every opportunity it's what i would say to any artist if you're not doing it already do it that's awesome that's actually great advice i never really thought of thank you um, so tell us, how can our listeners find you? Um, my main platform these days is my Instagram account, at Raggy Paints. Um, I also organize a kind of mentoring program that's completely free and voluntary. Uh, the Instagram account for that is at Hobby Mentor, but it's mostly done through Discord now, and the link is on that account. Um, other than that, you can find me on Facebook. I used to have a channel on YouTube. I'm currently looking at moving it over to Twitch. Um, so, you know, stay tuned on Twitch. Um, that's that's what I would say. I have an old blog, uh, Um It's I don't I don't post all that often now. But if you're wanting longer in-depth tutorials or to see how I've done some of the stuff I've done in the past. Uh, kind of like David Soper, it's, it's a little bit more in-depth, a little bit more wordy. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's one of my favorite artists. I, I love David Soper so I, much. I, I was at uh, Warhammer Fest the last time it was run in 2019, I guess now. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, he just blew the competition away that yeah. year with the, the Dan called Trogoff. Yes. And I got to see that up close and it is incredible. And the man is just so disciplined in, in everything that he does. He, he's been in this so long that he has customized his figure case for taking to things so that his figures are bolted down. And I'm like, I don't know how nobody else has thought of this before because to my knowledge, nobody has. Because man, you are a genius. Like you could throw that across the room and everything in it would still be fine. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the man is a legend. But thank you so much for joining us, Dev. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I, I have had a lot of fun. Awesome. Thank you. Dan and I would like to thank Dev Sodegar, a.k.a. Raggy Paints from CK Studios, for joining us today. You can follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Raggy Paints. Make sure you give him a follow. He is a fantastic artist. 
super nice guy and I really enjoyed the time I got to spend with him at ReaperCon and I hope uh, in the the future our, our, our friendship continues. So thank you so much, Dev. Please check him out. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Listening to Paint Dry. Now, here's one of the things. One of the reasons why we did the Facebook, uh, excuse me, the YouTube page is so that uh, it's a lot easier for those who don't do podcasts to listen to our episodes and paint. They can just pull it up on YouTube and knock themselves out and uh, have a have a good time listening and painting while they uh, hear some of the best conversations we've had with artists around the world. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at Dry Listening. Uh, please like, subscribe, or follow, which I believe is only follow now on Apple Podcasts. It's switched from like to follow. Uh, anywhere you get your podcast, we're at 150 platforms. You can send us an email at listening to paint dry at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to us about what you're working on, ideas for the future shows, or let us know just how we're doing. We'll be back in a couple days with an interview with Anthony Rodriguez, a.k.a. Pirate Monkey. And then we'll have more interviews following usually every other day after that. So thank you so much again. And we really appreciate you listening to the podcast and uh, sharing us with your friends, families, and other hobby maniacs out there. The journey to becoming a better, braver, happier painter starts with a single brushstroke. Until next time. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.